Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Uh, Speaking of fall, did you notice that we now have pumpkin spice creamer back in the... Yeah, it may not feel like summer, we can at least, like fall, but we can at least taste fall, right? We can at least taste fall and, and have that hope that it's going to be here before long. If you haven't looked at the five-day forecast, don't. It's too depressing. Seriously, that, there's something about this, and you guys know this, there's something about the summer months that just causes us to kind of get lulled into this kind of a hypnotized type of almost uh, sleep, you know, where you just kind of, you're just kind of going through the motions, and, and before you know it, you realize that, that, that you've drifted. You've drifted. You, you've, you've drifted from your schedule. You, you, you've probably drifted from your budget after paying for that vacation, right? Because, come on, let's be honest. In, in the summer, but between trips to the lake, between family reunions, between vacations, between ball games late at night, you get thrown off of your schedule. And usually a byproduct of that, when we get thrown off our schedules, usually we drift in our relationship with God as well because hopefully God was a part of our daily schedule. And statistically, statistically, the things that cause you the most stress, all right, are in some of these areas that we tend to drift in the summertime. And those, well, I'll tell you the top three, relationships, money, and time. Those are the three, statistically, the the three things that cause you the most stress are relationships, Money, how you spend your money, or not having margin with how you spend your money, and time. Last couple of weeks, we've talked about uh, how to create more margin in, in, your, in, your, in your budget, in, your, in how you spend your money, but also in how you, your schedule and how you spend your time. This week and next, we're going to pivot, and we're going to look at the thing, the thing that tops the stress charts year in and year out, and I'm talking about relationships. And at the top, at the top of stressful relationships is marriage. And while the Apostle Paul calls marriage a grace from God, he's also very clear about the fact that it's not always an easy relationship to navigate. And if you've been married for very long at all, you know that that is true. So let's begin by looking at the very first marriage ever, and it's found in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. The context context here is God had created everything, including man. But after creating man, he realized something was missing. And this is kind of for a different sermon that I'll actually kind of talk about next, next week. Uh, man's original problem wasn't sin. Man's original problem was loneliness. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But anyway, Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. See here, God, God knew what you wives already know, that you can't leave your man alone for very long because not good things happen when you leave him alone, right? He says, I will make him a helper fit for him. Skip down a few verses, verse 22. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Verse 23. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast. NIV says, shall be united to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Here's a picture um, 
This is uh, th- this past week. Kyle referenced that this past week was actually a couple of milestones for uh, for us. Um, we uh, it was either this week, thirty five years ago, or last week, thirty five years ago, was our first Sunday here at at church, serving this church, and so it, it's kind of this 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 two tiered milestone. This time of year, we we celebrate an anniversary here. Uh, 35 years uh, pastoring here and serving this community as pastor, and uh, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to do that. But another milestone is our is our wedding anniversary, and as Kyle mentioned, it's uh, this past Friday we celebrated 44 years of being married. 44 years ago, last Friday on a sweltering hot Saturday afternoon, a day not unlike yesterday. August 18, 1979, in southwest Oklahoma, we made, we made a covenant to each other that, that we would spend the rest of our lives together uh, as husband and wife. We had a whirlwind courtship. We had only met six months before that. I don't recommend that, but it worked for us, by God's grace. We had met on February 6th, and from that point on, we were almost inseparable. Uh, the, the classes that we, we met at Bible school, the classes that we didn't have together, what we, we would, you know, we would, you know, write notes to each other. The classes we had together, we would sit by each other. You're just, that's when you have that stupid love, right? You got, the guy's got the silly look on their face, you know? You can't get her off your mind. You can't get him off, off your mind, right? Remember when you, come on, you guys remember back when you kind of had that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got engaged in April, barely two months after we first met. And uh, so that, that, that semester was just kind of, just kind of a whirlwind. Knowing we were going to be getting married, Sue went home at the end of the spring semester to prepare for our August wedding. I stayed at school to take some summer classes and work, make some money for our wedding. Uh, during that time of separation, again, because we were just so in love with each other, uh, this is back before cell phones, you know, so you couldn't call it. I mean, we could call from a payphone, you know, I could call from a payphone, you know, and then you're talking to them, you know. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Uh, write into each other. You know, we wrote, we wrote letters. And one of us, I'm not going to say who, one of us actually treasured those letters so much uh, that they still have them. Again, I'm not going to say who it is that, 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 that has uh, the letters, but I will tell you this. Um, July 10th, July 12th, 1979, July 16th, 1979, July 19th, 1979, August 1st, 1970, August 7th, uh, August 8th, I'm telling you, even three hours away, she couldn't get enough of me. She could not get enough of me, man. I'll tell you, man. She just... And uh, I would read some of these steamy letters, but I'm afraid it would embarrass Kyle and Zach, so I'm not going to do that for right now. Um, here's the thing. When we got married, we knew, where we, we, knew we were in love. We knew we were in love. Uh, we had no idea at the time that our love would be a five-children type of love, Right? I mean, that's, you know, that's a lot of love. That's a lot of love. After our fifth child, Zach, was born, my, my dad jokingly uh, asked me, he said, uh, do you guys know what causes that? And I said, yes, we do, and, and, and we choose not to uh, let go of that. Just saying, right? Just like we can drift in our relationship with God, so also can we drift in our relationship with our spouse. There comes a time when you wake up some morning and you look across the proverbial breakfast table and you're like, who are you? Or how did we get here? How did we get here? 
Who is this person? Where, 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 did the, where, where did the passion, where did the romance go? But here's what I can promise you. If you've drifted in your marriage, if the fun and the passion aren't what they used to be, somewhere along the line, you quit pursuing each other. Somewhere along the line, you quit pursuing one another. Somewhere along the way, you quit writing notes, writing letters to each other. You quit just, you know, calling. I just want to tell you I'm thinking of you, sending texts, whatever. If If you think back to when you were dating or engaged, I think you'll realize how much more intentional you were about pursuing each other. But somewhere along the way, you got, you got lazy, you got relationally lazy and began to drift. In fact, how many times, how many times have you heard, right, people who ended up getting divorced, they use that term, we just drifted apart, right? You've heard that phrase before, right? Well, of course you did. What, what, what did you expect? What did you expect? Can you name any area of your life where you can be consistently lazy and see improvement? It's a fair question, right? Any area of your life that you can ignore and not be negatively impacted by that. Think about physically. Think about your body. If you don't exercise and eat anything you want, anytime you want from from the four food groups, right? Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, right? After a while, that's going to catch up with you. And you're going to look in the mirror one day and say, wow, how did that happen? Right? Same with your yard. Same with your yard. If you aren't intentional about tending your yard, mowing it, fertilizing it, trimming it, and all that, your neighbors are going to start whispering behind your back. They're going to start yard shaming you, give you the stink eye every time you go by. Right? It's the same with marriage. It's the same with marriage. Oftentimes, we look at someone else's marital yard, all right, so to speak, and we're jealous because their lawn or their marriage is greener, right, and nicer than ours. In fact, Sue told me once, she said, you know what? She said, I think some people think that I live a charmed life. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, you know, because, you know, you know, I'm a pastor's wife, and, you know, we do the marriage encounter thing and, 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 and so forth. But uh, here's what you need to know. Uh, we, Sue does not live a charmed life. Well, I said, well, sure you do, honey, because you, you married Prince Charming, right? I guess I could have. I could have said that. But here, here's what you need to know. Our marriage is where it's at today. Our family is where it's at today because we have been intentional about investing in our children and in our marriage. And one way to water your marriage, water your lawn, the lawn of your marriage, is by attending a marriage encounter weekend. It was a game changer for us. It really was. Talk to Sue. She will tell you. She will tell you that, that that was a game changer for our marriage. There are other couples in the church who have attended and benefited from the weekend. Oh, well, we just don't get along anymore, Pastor. We just, we just drifted apart. We don't love each other anymore. Getting divorced because you ran out of love is like getting a new car because you ran out of gas. If you ran out of gas, what do you do? You fill that tank up with more gas. Look, if your marriage ran out of love, what do you do? You don't go trade. You, you fill it up with love. You fill that, that marriage tank up with love. All right? And so how do you do that? Well, that's what we're going to look at. Verse 24, Genesis chapter 2. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the word that he uses, therefore, united or hold fast, it's the Hebrew word, the, the English transliteration is D-A-B-A-Q, dabak. 
and it means to cling or adhere, to catch by pursuit, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard after with affection and devotion. Another place that it's used in Psalm 63, verse 8, Living Bible says, I follow close behind you. That, that word debak, I debak behind you. Judges 20, verse 45, then they pursued them, debak them relentlessly. It's the same idea. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and debak, relentlessly pursue, chase after his wife. So, husbands, question, question. Are you still relentlessly pursuing your wife? I mean, you used to have something special, didn't you? You used to have something special, right? Maybe you just got a little lazy, started taking each other for granted, quit pursuing each other. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament about a young man by the name of Jacob. And Jacob fell in love with this girl named Rachel. So he went to Rachel's father, a guy by the name of Laban, and Jacob asked Laban for his daughter Rachel's hand in marriage. Laban said, sure, you can have Rachel for your wife, but you have to work for me seven years first, and then after you work for me seven years, I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage, my daughter Rachel's hand in marriage. So because he loved her, uh, Jacob agreed to that deal. And the Bible says that Jacob loved, this is interesting, it says Jacob loved Rachel so much, those seven years flew by so fast, it seemed like just a day. Wow, that's love, isn't it? That, that, that's what you call love. What Jacob didn't realize was Rachel had an older sister named Leah. And, and I want you to look at how these two sisters are described. In verse 16 of Genesis 29, it says, Now Laban, talking about the dad, had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 17, Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Literal translation, uh, Rachel was smoking hot, and Leah had a good personality. That, 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 that's what that means in, in the Hebrew. But Jacob, Jacob works the seven years, goes to Laban, and says, hey, uh, I'm ready to marry your daughter now. So Laban, Laban plans this huge wedding, celebration, and reception, but, when, but then he throws Jacob a curve. At the end of the reception, at the end of that night, after the reception, when the couple goes to consummate the marriage, Laban slips Leah in instead of Rachel. Now, we don't know how this worked out. We don't know if Jacob celebrated too hard, was too drunk, didn't know what was going on. But here's what we know. We know that in the morning when he woke up, he was surprised. We know that he was surprised. Verse 25, Genesis 29, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Can you imagine waking up on your honeymoon morning? Whoa! You can't make this stuff. You guys need to read your Bibles more often. You can't make this stuff up. This is amazing. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? And in verse 26, Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. In other words, Laban says, oh, I forgot to tell you, Jacob. Uh, in our culture, it's customary to give the older daughter away first. So I can't give, I can't give Rachel away until I give Leah away. So uh, surprise. Right? Verse 27, complete the week of this one. In other words, he says, go ahead and, and, and have your honeymoon with Leah. 
And we will give you, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. In other words, so he says, all right, tell you what, go ahead and finish your honeymoon with, with Leah, and then I'll give you my daughter Rachel. Now that's for another sermon. You know, one wife is enough, but well, you know, that, that, that's for another. Don't get sidetracked by that. So, verse 28, Jacob did so, completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. See, for the longest time, and maybe you did too, for the longest time. I thought that Jacob had to work another seven years before he got Rachel. No, that's not what it says. It says Laban gave him Rachel right then in return for working another seven years, right? So the point being, here's my point. Jacob continued to work for Rachel after he already had her. I'm going to say that again, because in, in my mind, that came across with more response from you guys. So I'm going to try that. I'm going to set you up here. Um, the point being, Jacob continued to work for Rachel after he had already had her. There we go. There you go. See, here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about you. You want your marriage to be special. It used to be, Right? No one sets out to get married for seven years and then have this ugly divorce. No one sets out to get married and then betray their spouse's trust and blow up the marriage. No one sets out to get addicted to porn and add add, add, added stress to the marriage. We all have good intentions, but we can become lazy in our attention to detail regarding our marriage. So I'm going to give you three principles to help you get re-centered and refocused on your marriage and help close that gap between your intentions and your actions. Because, and here's our big idea for this morning's message, to get what you used to have, you've got to do what you used to do. To get what you used to have, you've got to do what you used to do. See? when you So here's the first thing. When you think something good, say it. When you think something good about your spouse, say it. See, even after 44 years, this is something that I'm still learning but apparently I must be better than I used to be. Um, you know, there have been a, a few times that, you know, Sue would be wearing something nice, and I'd say something like, well, you sure make that sweater look good, or, or if she made a, a meal that I particularly liked. You know, I would, in fact, Saturday night, you know, she put together this, this meal that on paper, I don't think I would have eaten it, but after, you know, I started smelling it when she started cooking it, and I ate it, and I thought, man, that's really good. And I made it a point to let her know, you know, how good the meal was. Uh, but uh, there have been many more times where I could have said something and I didn't. And that's probably true for you guys as well, and maybe even for some of you ladies, some of you wives as well. Because, you know, like, like for example, uh, we'll be getting ready to go somewhere, and Sue will walk out, and she's looking really nice. And I'm, I'm just getting ready to tell her, man, you look nice, you know. But then I'm thinking, oh, yeah, what do I do with my phone? Or, you know, where's the car keys or something like that? And then you forget, and then, you know, you go out, and you have fun at that night, you know, and then you forget all about it, right? And so, so there are a lot of times that I know that I could have said something, but I didn't because I forgot to. We were driving over to Lawrence this past week, knowing that I was going to be preaching on this topic. Um, I asked Sue, I said, uh, I said, did I used to compliment you more earlier in our, in our marriage? And uh, her response caught me by surprise, because I'm, I'm thinking I probably did used to compliment her more when we were dating and through our first years of marriage. But this is what she said. She said, oh, honey, you're a thousand times better than you used to be. And I wasn't sure how to feel, because if I'm a thousand times better now, what was I like before, you know? But I will tell you this, and Sue will tell you this. Again, our marriage is where it's at today because of God's grace 
and because of marriage encounter. I'm a better husband today and Sue's a better wife because of the marriage encounter that we attended 20 years ago. And again, it just so happens that there's some marriage encounters coming up this weekend, this, this in the fall season. Uh, in fact, Wichita's next weekend. Uh, Kansas City, I think, is November. Uh, Denver, St. Louis, Tulsa, Springfield. Seriously, agme.org. I don't know if I think he's going to put that up there on the screen. Uh, but uh, I, I would strongly encourage you to pray about attending a marriage encounter. You will not regret it. You will not regret it. Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. How different, how different will your marriage look if you started being more intentional about encouraging and complimenting each other each day, each day, not just on special occasions, but each day, finding something to compliment your spouse about. Now, the challenge is, the challenge is because men and women are wired so differently, we give and receive love differently. And I, I, I talk with couples about this when we do premarital counseling, but, but wives need to be cherished and, and husbands need, need to be affirmed. And, and, and even though these aren't like hard and fast rules, generally speaking, they hold true for both, for both men and women. Uh, which is why there are some things that we can learn when it comes to appreciating the differences between our spouse and us and how to love them accordingly. Guys, how to cherish your wife and wives, how to affirm your husband. So I want to address the guys first. Guys, when, when you pursue, when you follow hard after your wife, um, pursue her with words of affection. Pursue her with words of affection. And by words of affection, I'm talking about non-sexual words of affection. And some of the guys just got a confused look on their face. No, no, no. Yeah, guys, there, there, there is such a thing. There is such a thing as non-sexual words of affection. In fact, uh, I can tell some of the guys are still confused, so let me bottom line it for you. Husbands, non-sexual words of affection are words that are non-sexual. Okay, does, that, does, that, does that help? Uh, where, where there's not a sexual goal on, on the other side, all right? And, 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 this, and look, this is more difficult for us guys than you think, ladies, because us guys just kind of have this knack for making anything sexual. It's, it's just a gift that we have. Like, you know, we'll get a notice in the mail, you know, from Big O Tires. Uh, Sue will say, oh, honey, uh, it's time to go uh, rotate the tires. I say, I'll rotate your tires. Or, 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 you know, honey, uh, uh, I, I, could, I, could, I could use some help, you know, emptying the dishwasher. I'll empty your dishwasher. Uh, it's just a gift that we have. You know, it, it, we don't have to learn it. It's something that, that, that we knew, right? But here's the thing. While husbands can come across as shallow and having a one-track mind, wives can be unpredictable at times. Like, <laughs> like pretty much, you know every time that Sue will ask me, so what are we going to do this evening, honey? And, uh, or what do you want to do today, honey? And, and my response is, oh, I got some ideas. Now, the thing is, one day I can say that. What do you want to do today, honey? Oh, I got some ideas. And she'll lean in, you know, oh, you're so cute, you know, and cuddly, you know. Very next day, same thing, same time of day. Uh, so what do you want to do today, honey? Oh, I got some ideas. Oh, you pervert! Get your mind out of the gutter, you dog, you. Guys, we, we, we don't know what to do there, right? But here's the thing. We never know, what, you know what, how you're going to respond. 
but it's a gamble we're worth, it's worth taking, isn't it, guys? Well, we'll keep coming back to that, right? We'll keep coming back to that. The point being, guys, sometimes you need to follow hard after, relentlessly pursue your wife with non-sexual words of affection. And ladies, when you pursue your husband, pursue him with words of affirmation. Guys don't need words of affection. We need words of affirmation. And ladies, look, I know that, you know, us guys can come across as all macho and confident, but the truth is, oftentimes we're more insecure than we let on. We really are. That's why this is a tremendous opportunity for you wives. Uh, Because in in, in some divine spiritual way, uh, you have more impact over your husband and his spiritual direction than you might realize. Because your husband's going to become what you see in him. Really, that's true. That's true. See, and if you see, if all you see in your husband are his faults and shortcomings, that's going to come across in how you relate to him, and, 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 and that's going to reinforce those negative traits that bother you so much. So, so rather than focusing on where your husband is or who he, who he currently is, focus on who you would like to see him become. There, there are times that, that Sue can be my greatest critic. We'll be sitting around some Sunday afternoons. She'll give me some constructive criticism and be very honest with me on my sermon. Uh, she'll ask me, what did you mean by this statement? And do you really think that you needed to share that? You know, and, and I, I think you could have explained this a little bit more. And, uh, but so, so, but, but it's, it's good. It's, it's constructive criticism. But here's the thing. She's also, she's my greatest critic, but she's also my, my best encourager. She also is my best and greatest encourager. And the ratio of that was a good message, honey, to, boy, that really stunk it up today, is at least four or five to one. Is at least four or five to one. She really tries to encourage me. One of the more common complaints I hear wives share about their husband, and it's a valid complaint, but wives wish their husband would, would step up and be the spiritual leader in the home. And that's not a bad desire, ladies. It's not a bad desire. In fact, that's something your, your husband should aspire to do and should be doing. But your understanding of a spiritual leader and what your husband is capable of are probably two completely different things, especially, especially if your husband's still young in the Lord and they're still trying to find their way. So be patient and keep praying for your husband in this area. And, and, and when, he does, when he does anything, listen, listen, ladies, if he does anything spiritual, celebrate that with him. Celebrate that with him. On Saturday night, if he says, hey, you know what? Let's go to church tomorrow. Celebrate that. All right. Thank you so much. Tell the kids, hey, kids, come here. Dad says we're going to church tomorrow. Celebrate that. Make a big deal of that. That's spiritual leading. That's baby steps, but, but he's heading in the right direction. Maybe you're uh, frustrated. wives because your husband won't pray with you? Again, don't get frustrated. Encourage him. If the only time he prays out loud is once a year at Thanksgiving, rather than being critical of him, and, and encourage him in that. I mean, it might be a bad prayer. It might be a bad prayer. Uh, God is neat. Let's eat. But don't, don't say, well, that was a lame prayer. No, 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 no. Just, just encourage you. Just maybe kind of just kind of lean over. Just kind of lean in. And, and when, I, when I say lean in, I mean like get, get like real right up there by his ear. Just get right up there and say this. Say, you know what? I felt so close to God when you just prayed that. Thank you so much for praying that prayer. And then maybe just do a little blow on his earlobe. <laughs> I'm telling you, next time he prays, he'll be praying in tongues next time he prays. <laughs> encourage him. Encourage him. Don't be critical of him. Any baby step that he takes, just encourage him in that, right? 
And look, I get it. Some of you, because of where your marriage is at right now, it's hard for you, it's hard for you to, to believe in your husband and affirm him in anything, right? That's why I'm sharing this message. That's why I'm sharing this message, to remind you that we serve a God of grace and forgiveness and renewal. And this week's new season, new start, is a challenge to establish a new covenant, a new marriage covenant. So when you think something good, say it. Second, when you think something special, do it. When you think of something special, do it. This, this is something I've gotten better at over the years, but I still have a long way to go because, frankly, I'm just not a creative person. I had a friend one time who, you know, he, he set this up all in advance. He, he uh, had, his, uh, had his, uh, his parents uh, set it up for his parents to watch. Their, they had twin boys. They were going to watch them for the weekend, made a reservation at a hotel. This was when we were living in Minnesota. Made a reservation at a hotel in Duluth, Minnesota. Set up this in advance, called his wife and said, pack your bags. When I get home from work, we're taking off for the weekend. Didn't tell her where they were going or anything. And I heard that, and I'm thinking, how come I didn't think about that, you know? Because, you know, this is kind of, I, I'm just not creative like that. But here's the thing. Just because I, I'm not creative thinking like that doesn't mean I can't learn. That's just an excuse, right? James, the brother of Jesus, said this once in James 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It is sin for them. This past Friday morning, Sue wanted to go to Homestead Bakery over in Baldwin for some uh, quiche for our 44th anniversary breakfast. So on the way over, I asked her, I said, I said what was the most spontaneous thing uh, that I've ever done in, in our 44 years of marriage? And uh, she mentioned, and we both thought of the same thing, by the way. She mentioned our third anniversary. Chelsea was, was just a little over a year old, and I made arrangements for her folks to watch her, and, and I had bought her this uh, little uh, necklace with a heart with seven diamonds on it. And so I wanted to take her out you know, for a nice dinner and present her this, this necklace. So we went to this Chinese restaurant, and it was, it was an old A&W that they converted into a Chinese restaurant. I don't know if that was a good thing or bad, but anyway. So, so we, we go to this Chinese restaurant. We get there, and no one's there. And I'm like, yeah, I just reserved it just for us, honey, just for us. Of course, she knew it wasn't true, but, you know, we, we, we had fun pretending that, and it turned out to be a fun night. So fast forward 41 years, all right? We're driving over to Baldwin Friday morning for breakfast, and when we get to Homestead, 7.30 Friday morning, we walk in, and this is a miracle. No one's there at Homestead on 7.30 in the morning. We walk in, and no one's there, and she turned to me, and she said, did you reserve this just for us? And I said, yes, I did. Yes, I did, right? To close the gap between your intentions and doing something, you need to be intentional, especially, especially, listen, if you have young children. Because, and I don't have to tell you this, you're in a very busy season of life right now. All the more reason to be intentional about investing in your marriage. And there are creative ways to do that. Uh, Bob and Kristen on the video talked about some things that they started doing scheduling things into their calendar, right? So some couples have date nights. You know, you look at your calendar. You know, some of us have Sunday fun day, Monday madness, two for Tuesday, freaky Friday. You know, just have fun with it, whatever, whatever you want to do, right? It's like the guy, one husband told me that because of their busy schedules, they scheduled their times of intimacy on days of the week that begin with a T. I said, oh, I said, so like Tuesday and Thursday. And he said, yeah, and Triday and Tatterday and Tunday. <laughs> Come on, you know that's funny. When you think of something good, you're going to say it. When you think of something special, you're going to do it. And lastly, if you want to renew your marriage covenant and lower the stress levels in your marriage, when you want something different, be it. 
When you want something different, be it. I don't do a lot of marriage counseling because we found that encouraging couples to attend a marriage encounter weekend does as much, if not more, than, than I could do in, in multiple sessions. But one thing that is consistent, one thing that is a consistent pattern in the times that I have talked with couples is how each person points to the other person as the problem. I wish he was more affectionate. I wish he was more attentive. I wish he was more adventurous. I wish he was more fun. I wish he was more encouraging. I wish he was more spontaneous. I wish he was more romantic. I wish he was less critical. Instead of griping and complaining about what your spouse isn't, pray that the Holy Spirit would transform you into who you're supposed to be. You become someone different. Let God work on him. Let God work on her. And in the meantime, you become someone different. So if you're experiencing some stress in your marriage, regardless of where your marriage is at right now, here's what I know. There was a time you had something special. There was a reason why you bought that ring. There was a reason why you planned that wedding. Because there was something special at one time. And here's something else I promise you. If you used to have something special, you were doing something then that you're not doing now. And I say that to both husbands and wives. If you think of something good, tell him. Tell her. If you think of something special, do it. If you want something different, be it. To get what you used to have, you got to do what you used to do. It's a little bit different context, but the idea was the same when Jesus instructed the church at Ephesus who had drifted from him to do the things they used to do when they were still in love with him. Here's what he said in Revelation 2.5. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And this is the application for many here this morning. Some of you, you need to do this in your marriage. Yes, but some of you, you might need to do this in your relationship with God. You might need to step back, take inventory of eternity in your life and do the things that you used to do when you were closer to God. I promise you this. I promise you this. There is no marriage that's beyond God's redemptive power. And if you'll allow him, Jesus can help you renew your marriage covenant and change the trajectory of your marriage and your family. He can do that. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, we ask today for hope and healing for marriages, regardless of where they're at, hurting marriages, marriages in need of healing. For couples who are experiencing stress of any kind in their marriage right now, give them grace to do the things they used to do, to have the marriage they used to have. Help us begin pursuing our spouse with the same commitment, purpose, and passion that you pursue us with, Jesus. And while your heads are bowed, if you're here this morning and you're not in the right relationship with God, or maybe you used to be, but you drifted and you're not sure where you stand with God, whether you're married or not, if you've never received the forgiveness that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer where you can come to know God, your Heavenly Father, in a personal and profound way. And I'll lead you in the prayer. You just need to believe it in your heart as you're praying. So just, just pray, Lord Jesus, I know my life is broken, and I can't fix it because I've tried on numerous occasions. I've tried, Lord. So I surrender my heart, my life to you now. Forgive me of my sins. Come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. I give you my life and I receive your life in return. Thank you for saving me. Now help me begin living my life for you. In Jesus' name.